Hey, hey, this is Doc's Cost, episode three. Episode three, and it's that time of year. It's right on top of us. It's open enrollment season. So today we're going to talk a little bit about why you get the insurance through your employer, why health insurance is sold through the employer, why insurance companies like to work through the employer, how it started, how group insurance all got started. And uh, at the end, I'm going to give you a tip on why you need to have an embedded deductible. Okay, let's go. In this- mission is simple, to get you 100% covered. I'm Scott Dowling. I've got over three decades of insurance knowledge and experience to share with you. I don't work for the insurance company and I'm beholden to no one. I'm here to make healthcare transparent for all of us. There's an affordable insurance plan out there someplace, and I promise to help you find it. Doc's Cost starts now. that time of season, that time of year. A lot of people think it's fall, so it's football season, college, NFL. Some people think it's time for the World Series. With the way things are going these days, the seasons are all screwed up anyway. But open enrollment is still in season. It's about October. October through November for some, mostly October. So your employer's probably got stuff ready to go for you. Um, you may have the same carriers you had before. You could have different. You could have a different plan. Hopefully, you've got a high-deductible health plan that's HSA eligible. So for the next 10 minutes or so, we're going to talk about why it's important for your employer to offer health insurance, why it's available through your employer, the advantages for you, for your employer, for the insurance company, for the renewal, for the continuity, for the pricing. While there are those that would rather see health insurance available through some other means than the employer, I'm not really going to touch on that. What we are going to look at is the history of health insurance through the employer, why it makes sense, what happened in the last 40, 50, 60 years that affected employer-based insurance, and have some appreciation for how it helps each and every one of us. So let's go back to the beginning. Baylor Hospital down in Texas. It's around the Depression era, early 30s. They had a hospital full of beds that didn't have a lot of people in them. And obviously they were not making any money. There was nobody there. But patients back then paid everything out of their own pocket. There really wasn't any mechanism for health insurance back then. What Baylor had started was charging on a monthly basis 50 cents, 75 cents, a dollar. And people could go to the hospital to be taken care of at no charge. They decided to take this idea 
to educators, to teachers. It was basically prepaid health care. The idea got a lot of legs during the Depression era and moved across the country. The name for the program was Blue Cross. A little while after that, a group of physicians up in the Pacific Northwest started what was known as Blue Shield. Blue Cross is the hospital, and Blue Shield is a physician. In the early 80s, both organizations merged and formed the Blue Cross Blue Shield Association of America, with the exception of a few of the Blue Shield organizations in California, Oregon, and Washington. So as employer-based health insurance took root, it expanded during World War II when there were wage freezes and then the uh, Congress passed uh, legislation for tax-advantaged health insurance where the employer didn't have to pay any taxes on insurance premiums for the employees and the employees didn't have to pay any taxes on the insur- on the insurance premiums for themselves. So that was really when there was a boom in employer-based, employer-sponsored health insurance. So as these prepaid health plans from Blue Cross became popular, insurance companies started to realize that they could apply actuarial analysis and underwriting techniques to this same type of prepaid plan to create an insurance program instead of being a prepaid service plan from a doctor or a hospital. This was true insurance. Unions looked at health insurance as another benefit that they could represent their membership with and that they could collectively bargain for with employers. So they were big advocates of employer-sponsored health insurance as well. Now, some of you might be old enough to remember, uh, many of your parents can remember, and your grandparents if you're even younger. But back in those days, hospitalization was the big coverage. Hospitalization is where you went to take care of all of the things that you would think of today that are now outpatient, whether it's x-rays or surgeries, uh, any of that kind of stuff. Everything was hospital, hospital, hospital. It wasn't going to the doctor. Going to the doctor was like going to Marcus Welby. And he was in the neighborhood down the street, um, like Marcus Welby, some of them worked out of their house. You paid for your doctor office visit out of your own pocket. There wasn't anything that was insurance-related when you saw the doctor necessarily. When Medicare started in 1965, and that legislation was signed and took effect in 1966, all of a sudden you had a Medicare Part A and a Medicare Part B, and the Medicare Part A was hospitalization, and the Medicare Part B was physician services and surgical services. And we'll leave Medicare for another show, but it is interesting to note that back in 1965, when the Social Security Act amendment for Medicare was passed, Medicare took effect when you turned 65. And 65 is usually when you retired and you no longer had employer-sponsored health insurance. Interestingly, according to the National Center for Health Statistics, male life expectancy in 1965 
was 66.1 years. So there wasn't a lot of time spent on Medicare for men. For women, it was 73.6. It was obviously valuable. What Medicare did for the employer-sponsored health insurance market was introduce what we now call major medical insurance. Before that, it was called hospitalization insurance. Now you've got major medical insurance. Hospitalization plus physician and surgical. It's also what ushered in usual and customary. And we'll get to that in a future episode too, but that's when medical inflation really took off. So for employer-sponsored health insurance, there's benefits for the employer, there's benefits for the employee, and there's benefits for the insurance company. For the employer, health insurance benefits allow them to attract and retain valuable employees while reducing their tax exposure. For employees, it's a huge benefit because the employer is paying at least half and sometimes up to 85, 90% of the premium that they'd otherwise have to spend out of their own pocket. At today's average premium rates, that's anywhere between $5,000 and $9,000 a year, maybe more. And they're not getting taxed on any of that premium that's being paid on their behalf and what they contribute. If they were an individual on their own, they wouldn't have any of that. For the insurance company, it makes a lot of sense to have employer-sponsored health insurance. One of the main things is spread of risk. Most people take a job because it's something they like to do, something they're good at, something they're competent at. It's not solely because they want to go get the insurance to go take care of some procedure that they know has been lurking for the last six months. So if you get into a discussion with an actuary or an underwriter around the water cooler, you'll hear that being called buying a claim. And it's also a pre-existing condition. Well, when you have an employer-sponsored health insurance plan and there is a good spread of risk, there's something called waiver of pre-existing condition limitations. And there's also the Kennedy-Kassebaum bill, which is also known as the Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act, that eliminated pre-existing condition limitations from employer groups down to two. One of the last things the insurance companies like about employer-sponsored insurance is they don't have to chase the money. You don't have to worry about it. Your employer's paying it. They don't have to come after you for the money. It's coming out of your payroll deduction. There's continuity in the plan, so you don't have to worry about your insurance going away because your other employees didn't pay their premium. And it's easy to renewal. The experience is there for the entire company. The insurance company knows that the premiums will be paid going forward, and you know that you'll have insurance for years to come. It's definitely a win for everyone. Hopefully that gives you some good perspective and some good appreciation for employer-sponsored insurance. Now let me get to the thing that I'm going to keep harping on, and that's health savings accounts. I told you that uh, you want the embedded deductible, and I was going to give you a tip. I want you to focus on the HDHP, High Deductible Health Plan, minimum deductible for 2021. For self only, it's $1,400. For the family, it's $2,800. And I want you to focus on that number for family of $2,800. In order to get an eligible HDHP plan with an embedded deductible, 
you need to have a self-only deductible higher than $2,800. You're typically going to see something like a $3,000 deductible for self-only, for employee-only. And that would mean that a family deductible will be $6,000. If you're in the high deductible health plan, it has zero for coinsurance. That means the coinsurance rate is 100%. You only need to meet the deductible at $3,000 for an individual. The embedded deductible is going to save you thousands of dollars. Now, I know you're sitting there saying, Scott, I'm confused. I agree. I understand. I'm going to go through this again in an upcoming episode, and you can also see more at DocsCost.com. If you've got any questions, leave us a message at DocsCost.com, or you can find us on Twitter at DocsCost, D-O-X-C-O-S-T. Ask a question there, and we'll handle it there too. I hope you learned some good stuff today. As always, I appreciate the time you've afforded me. And remember, health insurance is not health care. DocsCost is where you will gain the knowledge, experience, education, information to become an astute consumer of health care and take control of your health insurance. Lower your costs, take total control. And here comes my pal Morgan Fingleton. So long, everybody. In this- Different tracks